Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. And God said to him, Your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel, and God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. So Israel did as God had commanded, and he had 12 sons. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any, of it, any other of his sons, because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. And Joseph told his brothers and his, and his father about the dreams that God had given him, that his brothers would one day bow down to him. And his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the saying in mind. And one day Joseph went to visit his brothers, pastoring their father's flock in Dothan. They saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say, a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of their hands, saying, let us not take his life. Shed no blood. Throw him into the pit in this wilderness, but do not lay a hand upon him. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe and the robe, the robe of many colors that he wore. And they took him and they threw him into the pit. The pit was empty and there was no water in it. Then Judah said to his brothers, what profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let our hand not be upon him for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. Then Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit, and they sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. Then they took Joseph's robe, and they slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in the blood. And they sent the robe of many colors and brought it to their father and said, This we have found. Please identify whether it is your son's robe or not. And he identified it and said, It is my son's robe. A fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his garments and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son for many days. All his sons and his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him to eat in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. 
and he has put me, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I, nor has he kept anything back from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her, or to be with her. But one day, when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house were there in the house, she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand, and he fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to lie with me. And I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as I heard, as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garment by her until his, until his master came home. And she told him the same story. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into, into, into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in, the, in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Thanks, Will. If you're a guest here at Journey today, I want to say welcome. Um, we've been in a series called In the Beginning, and we've taken large chunks out of the Bible, the book of Genesis specifically. And we're trying to figure out, not just because they're ancient writings, but we're trying to place them in our life. What what are the truths that we can extract and we can actually walk forward with and actually use in our everyday life? Um, it's interesting because we're in kind of a transition here, and this is where we're going to start to see a transition in the whole lineage of Abraham, and we're going to see Joseph get in positions that he didn't necessarily deserve to be in. Uh, it's kind of like this, um, and maybe by a show of hands, maybe we can do it this way. How many people in this room have ever found themselves in a place and you don't realize how you got there, good or bad? You just like, and I'm not talking about a physical place. I'm talking about like maybe a spiritual place. Maybe it was a physical place or maybe, maybe a loss of a job and you don't know how you lost your job or you know, maybe, maybe a situation where you know, your identity was stolen. So how many people have ever been in a place that you didn't know? Raise your hand real high. So a lot of people in this room, it happened to me, I guess it was about 10 years ago, about 10 years ago, um, and you know, I'm not, you know, this is not, I'm not going to argue with you about this, what your thought pattern is or what your belief system is this. I like buying guns. I buy guns frequently whenever I get a chance. I have a little extra money. I'll buy a gun. So I was actually buying a rifle that I wanted. Um, it was a, a, a hunting rifle. And so I was buying this hunting rifle. And in the state of Georgia, what you have to do to get a gun is, unless you have a, a permit, which I have now to buy guns, but um, you have to fill out a form. And they send it to ATF and I think FBI or you know CIA, the Army, I don't know, Salvation Army gets it. I don't know who gets it. But somebody's got to, somebody's going to have to, you know, kind of check off that you're okay, that like you're not a, a mass murderer or serial killer or, you know, something like that. And so I was doing this and I went to buy this gun. And as I'm buying this gun, I had to fill out this, this paperwork and they ask you if you've ever committed a felony. And then you put your social security number down. And then what happens is the store, the vendor at the store, what he'll do is he'll actually call somebody and have a conversation. And they'll, they'll, they'll have to call them back and say, yes, you've been approved to buy this gun or no. 
So I could tell the conversation was going a different direction than I thought it should go. And I actually heard several times, are you sure, are you sure, are you sure? And it was one of those moments where I was waiting for the police to bust through the door and arrest me for something I've never done because it was that kind of volatile of a conversation. Well, he turns around and he says, Mr. Smith, I'm sorry to tell you this, you cannot buy a gun. And I said, well, can you tell me why I can't buy a gun? I bought one yesterday. I bought one a couple days ago. I've bought several guns. And maybe that was the problem. Maybe they thought, well, you've been buying too many guns. But so I'm sitting there and they said, no, and we can't tell you. We're not allowed to disclose why you got rejected for the gun. He said, you have to call the FBI. Okay. Now, mind you, I've only had one speeding ticket my whole entire life. I have barely ever done anything. My biggest fear is being put in jail for something I didn't do because I know that I'm not gonna do something to get me there. So I go home and I call the FBI. And let me tell you, there is only one organization that it takes longer than, to answer the phone than IRS, and that's the FBI. So I'm on the phone. It's like two and a half or three hours I'm, 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 on, I'm on hold, but like I've gotta get this figured out. And they said, and I'll quote, they said, Mr. Smith you are a fugitive and we, we advise you to turn yourself in right now. And I said, okay, where would you like me to turn myself into? Any police station in Minnesota. I said, I think we have a problem here. And they said, what's the problem? I said, well, I live in, in Evans, Georgia. I'm hours away from where you want me to turn myself in. And on top of that, I don't think, and they, they said tax evasion. They had, they, they, one was, uh, didn't pay child support. And I said, like, is this a child I don't know I have? Is like, <laughs> right? One, like, I've been married to the same woman for 30 years. Like, I was like, I don't know, 12 when I got married. I mean, it's like, and so all of a sudden I find out that the, the store messed up my social security number when they put it on the thing. So it was, my social security number is, I'm not gonna tell you my social security number. <laughs> but it's, it's something, and they messed up one number. Now, the irony of all this is the person's name was Bobby Smith, and he was, and it took me almost a year for me to clear my name. I was in a position, not because I did anything wrong, but because somebody else did something wrong. I was in a position that I didn't deserve to be in. I couldn't do a lot of things because our social security number is based on everything. And once you've been flagged, you are flagged for a long time. A year later, I cleared my name. A year later, it's funny, a year later, I got my, my, my carrying permit. The same day I got cleared from the FBI. Uh, come on, like, do they not work together a little bit? Today, we're gonna be introduced to a character. His name is Joseph. Will did a phenomenal job of reading about Joseph today. Now, he is in a position that he didn't deserve to be in. Unlike when you think about Adam, Adam put himself in that position. Eve put himself or herself in that position. You look at Abraham, Abraham made a mistake. He put himself in that position. You look at Jacob and Esau, they put themselves in those. Every story that we've looked at at this point, somebody's put themselves in the position that they're in right now and they didn't deserve it. But Joseph is just a different. So here's the deal. I want us to itemize the story a little bit. I want us to kind of grasp because each of these little sub points could actually be whole messages that we could talk about. So we introduced to Joseph, and we got to find, Joseph is Jacob's favorite son. I have a problem. I have, I have a, a thought. This is going to create big problems down the road, even though we've read about it. Like, could you imagine if I, I walked up to my sister and brother and said, hey, by the way, I want you to know, dad loves me the most. How's that going over? 
right? You think he's going to stir a little? Like, we know he loves me the most, right? But it's not a good idea to tell, tell them that, right? So anybody ever have a, a relative? I, I want to show a hands because I want, I want to see how many people are with me on this. How many people have ever had a relative that you knew loved somebody else, maybe a sibling or somebody else that was very apparent? Don't point at your mom right now. So I had, I, I had, a, I had a grandmother. I, I love my grandmother. She's with Jesus now. Not because I did anything to her, but she's with Jesus right now. But at Christmas time, she would give me and my brother, like we would get a box of cookies for Christmas, and my sister would get a diamond ring. It, it's like, it caused, it was a source of frustration. And so when we meet, when we meet Joseph, well, the first thing we see is that Jacob loves him. He says, now Israel loved Joseph more than any of the other sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all, of, all the other brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. So one night, Joseph's sitting there, actually has several of these. He has a dream. And he actually tells the brothers about the dream. And I think when I say that he did not put himself in like, he, he, he did not deserve... This may be the only mistake that he's made in the process. And, and, and let, let's read the dream and, and just see, see if you can. Now, Joseph had a dream. And when he had told it to his brothers, he, they hated him even more. He said to them, here, this dream, I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And behold, my sheep arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed themselves down to my sheep. His brothers said to him, are you indeed going to reign over us? Or, 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 or are you indeed going to rule over us. So they hated him even more for these dreams. A couple verses later, he has another dream. He has a dream that the sun, the moon, and 11 stars. By the way, there was 11 brothers. No coincidence here, right? Sun, moon. And he says, and even Jacob is like, okay, let's try to figure out what this dream's talking about. Are you saying that your mom and my, we're going to bow down to you too? Now he didn't come against it because it was his favorite, but he tried to figure out exactly what this all meant. And so they have a plot. They're going to kill Joseph. Now, this seems to be another one of those things that happens a lot in the Old Testament. Between killing and sex, this is an amazing book, isn't it, right? Like, like I don't know if y'all have been following and tracking. There's a lot of killing in the book of Genesis, and there's a lot of sex in the book of Genesis, right? And so, I'm, I'm, so they plot against, and what they're going to do is they're going to leave him in a ditch. And there's all these, these areas uh, along the road where water would gather, and they would water their animals, but it was a dry season, so the, the ditch was dry, so they put his body in the ditch, and they said, we're going to leave him there, or we're going to kill him. Uh, and one of them has a better idea. Reuben actually comes and said, listen, how about if we don't kill him? Uh, how about if we just leave him in the ditch and we'll let him die down there? We'll just let him die. Okay, we'll just let him die. And everybody's okay. Like, so can you imagine Reuben? Hey, got a different plan here for you. We were going to kill you. Okay. Sorry, bro. The dream thing. But now we're just going to leave you in a ditch. We're just going to leave you there. And we're going to hope. And, and, and really, Reuben, I think, what he was thinking I'm going to read into the text. He was going to leave his brother there, but he was going to come back later and get his brother out of the ditch and release him. So they leave him in the ditch, and, and, and all of a sudden they look up, one of the brothers look at, hey, look at the, there's this group of people coming, and, and they're called Ishmaelites. Now, we got to put this on pause because this is really, really, really important. He's going to get a new plan, new plan, guys, okay? We're going to give them, we're going to give Joseph to the Ishmaelites. We don't even have to kill him. We're just going to sell him into slavery. Now, now, now it's interesting. He gets sold into slavery, for 20 shekels. Now, two, two, two runways here. First of all, the Ishmaelite thing. It's really kind of interesting because y'all remember 
Just a few chapters before that, we had Isaac and we had that was born to Sarah, but we had the way Abraham tried to do it on his own with Hagar was Ishmael. And remember I said that week, I said, listen, we're gonna find out all through the course of history that Ishmael and Israel are, are combat, they're fighting each other all the time. It's ironic to me that one of the offspring, a great-great-grandchild is now gonna be picked up and put into slavery by the Ishmaelites. The other thing that's interesting to me, and it's called a type of, and it's all in the Bible, everywhere in the Bible, every book of the Bible, you can see a type of Jesus, who Jesus is. We didn't get a chance a couple weeks ago, and man, I, 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 we got to pick this one, but there's, there's, a, there's a story about a priest, his name was Melchizedek, and Melchizedek is a type of Jesus. You can see the, 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 the priestly um, the, the things that he did and how he did them. So there's these type, Joseph is the same. So Joseph, if you're looking for a title for today's message, he's the guy that goes from the ditch to the dungeon, the dungeon to the deliverer. We're going to talk about that next week. But here's the deal. Who else got sold for shekels of silver? Jesus did. And so when you start to see the way God planned things out, especially through Joseph's life, we see a lot of type of Jesus in him. And we can look, and that's why we say it, and I say it a lot. There's a crimson thread from the very beginning of the book of Genesis all the way through the last book of Revelation that the whole thing, the whole reason is pointing to one person, and that's Jesus Christ. That's it. There's nothing. It's not pointing to being a Republican. It's not pointing to being a Democrat. It's pointing to Jesus Christ as the only way we can have restitution and be brought back into redemption with the Father. And so we see this. So he gets sold for 20 shekels. He ends up in Egypt, okay? The Ishmaelites take him to Egypt. He works for this guy named Potiphar, okay? Now, he just read this, but I, 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 I'm, as he, I'm, we got to think. The Lord was with Joseph. Did y'all catch that? Come on now. The very first line, it says the Lord was with Joseph. Now, he just got out of a ditch. He's getting ready, though he doesn't know yet. He's going to be in a dungeon, and, and it made me think, is there moments in our lives that don't seem to be great, that don't seem to be the most pleasing, but, but God puts us in those positions and it says to us, he says to us, you're still, you're still the favor of my, my eye, you're still the apple of my eye, the Lord is still with you? Because in the midst of this moment, you would kind of start scratching your head and go, like he did not deserve to be here. There was nothing he did to make him be put in this place unless the Lord allowed it to happen. Listen, the Lord said was with Joseph and became a successful man. And he was, uh, was in the house of the Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of the house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in the house over, over all, he, uh, all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessings of the Lord was on all that he had in the house. Basically, he became Potiphar's attendant. Like he was his personal, personal to make sure everything was done. The only thing that Potiphar had to do is really plan out dinner, get his food together. Uh, he, he didn't have a problem in the world. Well, he did have one problem. It was Pot Mrs. Potiphar. Mrs. Potiphar apparently um, probably had multiple types of affairs because this seemed to be a common practice. And we know the story, right? So Joseph is in her bedroom. Maybe he shouldn't have been in her bedroom. Maybe he shouldn't have been anywhere around her. Maybe he shouldn't have been in the house with a, you know, a woman by herself, whatever. She threatens that if you don't have sex with me, if you don't lay with me in bed, that I'm going to turn you into, over to Potiphar. And we know he, she grabs the, 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 the cloak or whatever he had on and it's, lays next to the bed. And she, she cries wolf. She'd take no for an answer. So at that moment right there, 
Joseph is sent to the dungeon. You know, that's not the end of the story, right? But Joseph didn't know that. I want you to think through this for a second. Let's get out of the sterile reading of the Bible and let's really talk about the humanness of the people that we talk about. He's sitting in the dungeon at the darkest place. He didn't deserve to be there. To him, it was the end of the story. To us, we read thousands of years later that God had a bigger plan. But it made me think about this. How many people in this room, how many people watching online, how many people down at our Sherwood campus or maybe in the atrium right now, you feel like your life is a series of ditches and dungeons. Like you go from one bad situation to another situation. You don't know why this happened. You can't figure out why that situation happened. You didn't do anything really seemingly to get you in that place. You're just there. I had somebody ask me after first service, Pastor Bobby, can you tell me why? Even after the message, can you tell me why that, 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 that I'm in this situation here? And I said this, I said, I don't know. I don't know, first of all, I don't know all the circumstances. Secondly, I don't know God's big plan for your life. Maybe God has a whole different plan. Maybe there's a reason. Maybe, in fact, God allowed some of this to happen. Or maybe, it goes back to week one, we live in a fallen world. And maybe because of sin, just sin, maybe not your sin, maybe somebody else's sin, or just sin, maybe you're in that situation that you're in this very second. Nevertheless, Joseph finds himself there. I remember I said up front, I think these stories are more than just stories. They're more, it's not just about looking at a character and doing a character study. It's about what can I extract from this to place in my own life? What, what are the characteristics, the personality traits that Joseph had that I can put in my life that I can succeed when I'm in those ditch and dungeon moments? What, what, is it, what, what was it in his life? And I think the very first thing that we've got to get, we've got to understand is integrity, integrity. Listen, we don't use that word a lot in the world anymore, do we? Because we, we have a lack of it. We don't ever see it. But integrity has a cost. There is a value on your integrity. Listen, somewhere in line, Joseph knew it was better to pay the price for doing good than it was a reward for doing wrong. That's why he ended up in the prison cell. Listen, Joseph knew it was better to be punished for his good behavior than it was to be rewarded and praised for his bad behavior. We live in a world that has, the culture that we live in has twisted that whole thing. We think it's better, honestly, to live a life of less integrity to get us to where we want to go. Do you know what, you know what Joseph could have done? Joseph could have, in fact, had an affair with this woman and probably he would have raised himself in the kingdom even higher. than He would have probably been put in a more prominent position until Potiphar found out because that was the kind of deal that she was wanting to make. I'll make you something. And, and I, man, I'm telling you, this, I, I can hear some of us, some of us are saying this right now. I can hear it, man. Yeah, it's all the Democrats' fault. It's all the Democrats' fault, right? I just didn't want to jump down. I'm too old to jump down. It's all the Democrats' fault. Yeah, the lack of integrity. It's all, all the Democrat politicians. You know something? I'm going to hurt some of y'all's feelings right now. Can I do that? I can take that Bible right there that I have, that I read, that I study, and I can take that Bible and I can prove to you that Jesus was in fact a Democrat. He was the first libertarian, to be honest with you. There's neither Jew, there's no Gentile, there's no bond, there's no free, there's no male, there's no female. He was right down the middle. Some of you Democrats are going, yes, Pastor Bobby, preach it. 
But you know what else I can do? I can take that same Bible and I can prove to you that Jesus was a Republican. So stop pointing the fingers and just say across the board, there's a lack of integrity in the world we live in. We see it every day. We see it on the news. We see it and you see it in your workplace. A lot of the trouble that we get ourselves into in life is because we have a lack of integrity. We don't tell the truth. We don't, don't do the right thing. And, and can you imagine if Joseph was willing to do what was wrong? Like if he was, like, like he would have, he would never, never have ended up in jail. And you would think, okay, well, that's better than being in jail. So he should have just done it or, or lied or something. But no, instead, Joseph paid the price for doing good. Can, can I let you in? If you're a believer, I don't want you to raise your hand, but if you're a believer, you believe in Jesus Christ, just like Joseph, there's a target on your back. The enemy, the Bible says, is out to seek, kill, and destroy. He is out to do it any way he possibly can. And one of the ways he does it is he, he fabricates things. He, he, he has no integrity, so he doesn't care how other people do it. They just want, just as long as they take you down. And we see it countless times in the Bible over and over again. But Ma and Matthew says it, Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Now, I'm not talking about you being attacked because you've done something wrong or you're being attacked because you're a jerk. I'm talking about when you're being attacked in Jesus' name. Let me tell you, some of you are looking at me like a deer in headlights. Like, I don't even know what you're talking about, being attacked. I'm, I've been a believer all my life. I've never fed... Maybe you're not as close to Jesus as you think you need to be or should be. Because I'm going to tell you, when you're close to Jesus, you get attacked. When you're following after Christ, you're getting attacked. Watchman Nee was a great revivalist in China and from um, 1920 to 1950. He was preaching. He was baptizing hundreds of thousands of people. It was one of the biggest revivals that our world's ever seen. He was, in fact, doing the things that Jesus told us to do. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So he's doing all this stuff. Well, the communist China government started getting worried about him. And we've seen this in history, the course of history. Anytime there's a Christian movement in some of these countries, the government pops up. Now, you know, he got arrested and spent 20 years in jail. Now, you would think that he got arrested, like the arrest one would be, you're preaching Jesus, right? Or you're, you're healing people, or you're drawing a big crowd. You know what he got arrested for? He got arrested for extortion. He never extorted anything, but how bad would have looked on the communist government if they would have arrested him for being a peacekeeper, or if they would have arrested him for being a Jesus follower? It would have looked bad on their government. It would have looked bad on the, and it's been like that. And I wonder how many more people have sat in prison that have been misunderstood or maybe misrepresented. See, that's what was gonna happen with Joseph. Joseph was in jail, not for, and he, nothing he did. He was there, honestly, for being at the, the wrong place at the right time. That's what it comes down to. Jack Hayford says it like this. In God's order, think about this, there's never a situation so desperate that it must grind people to powder or press a financial appeal at the cost of integrity. There is nothing that should ever come up in our lives that we lower our integrity so we can have something else. Here's the second thing. Guys, you gotta lean into this one. This is a huge one. God is always in control. There's never a moment in our life that he's not in control. Sometimes God will allow, here's, you know what, this is what I've learned. Sometimes, and you see it all through the Bible, 
Abraham's told to go to a foreign country. Isaac's told to go to, you know, we read last week that Jacob was told to go find the wife in another country. There's times Paul was told to go preach to the Gentiles. He was, he was told to move, go to Straight Street. You're gonna find Ananias there. He was told to go somewhere. There is times, I believe, where God will, he'll speak to you, whether it's through his word or a friend or, or the Holy Spirit or whatever it is, he'll speak to you that he wants you to go someplace. 17 years ago, right? I felt like God spoke to me on staff at Stevens Creek Community Church. I felt like he told me to start a church. He told me to go. He actually gave me the location. He actually told me what he wanted to do. Like all that stuff. There's times where he does that. Somebody say amen to that. But you wanna know something? There's also times God just drops you in the middle of a situation and you have no clue why you're there. And that's exactly what happened with Joseph. He was dropped in the middle of a situation. He didn't know it was the end of the story. God knew it was the end of the story. You may not understand the current of your life. God understands the current of your life. Joseph needed to be there when the famine hit years later so he can restore his people with God, so he can feed the people that were hungry, so he can be part of a solution, not a problem. God put him in that spot. Well, maybe God didn't put him in that spot, but God used him in that spot. How many times have we been in places and we kick and scream and we wonder why we're in this situation? And maybe instead the question we should be asking is, God, what do I need to learn in this situation? What do I need to do? How do I need to follow you? God did not create the crisis in Joseph's life, but he was able to control it. Let me just say this. You may be victimized. You may have been victimized in your life. You may, and I'm not discrediting that, okay, at all. But you gotta get out of the ditch you got to get out of the ditch. At some point, you got to move from that place to the place where God has you. We sang songs about you know, how big our God is and how much he loves us. Do you really, at some point in our lives, we got to stop. The, but happened to you whenever it happened. I'm sorry it happened. We, we have counselors that would love to spend time. But at some point, you have to move from point A to point B. How about this? How about maybe some of us in this room were wrongly accused, right? Maybe you got accused of something you never did, and because of that, your life has been... Maybe, maybe you've been taken advantage of. Maybe cheated on. Maybe bullied. You know, maybe fired because somebody else's fault. Maybe whatever it is, God did not create it. Whatever that crisis is that you're facing, he didn't create it but he didn't, and he didn't cause it, but he can turn it into a redemption story if you let him. Even if it was your own fault, he can still turn it into a redemption story, can he? Hey, let's just face it. Some of us have done some stupid things. Oh, just me? Everybody in this room's hands should have been lifted. I'd be like an altar call time. I see those hands, right? Do you know a lot of the situations in my life I've caused? I've put myself there. I've made the dumb decision or the bad mistake. It's me. I don't know how many people remember Watergate, um, a time when a president was basically cycling and circling through lots of people of intelligence trying to get other people fired. They were all working toward one agenda. There was one person that was involved in it. I love his story. His name was Chuck Colson. Chuck Colson was in prison for being the hatchet man for Richard Nixon during Watergate. 
He was actually quoted one time. He said, I would take out my grandmother if you told me to. He was ruthless in every area. Well, he gets arrested and he gets put in jail. I think his sentence was like seven years. And while he's in jail, he starts reading a C.S. Lewis book called Mere Christianity. If you've never read it, you need to read it. It's a good read. The way C.S. Lewis writes, it's a redemption story from front to back, but it's all about this Jesus that we need to have. And he's sitting in this jail cell realizing that the, 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 the gaping hole that he's been trying to fill with power and all manipulation and bullying and all that needed to be filled with Jesus. And so in a prison cell, he asked Jesus to be a savior. In that moment right there, and it, it changed the rest of his life. He started a ministry called Prison Fellowship. Hundreds of thousands of people have come to know Christ. He's spoken just about every major prison in the United States until he passed away several years ago. He was brought on a task force for, um, for uh, the, the political espionage and all that. Like, this guy, it's a redemption story. He put himself in that position. So, so, many of, so many of us in this room are staying in the ditch because of something we've done. And it's time to get out of the ditch. It's time to walk forward. God took Chuck, Chuck Colson, God took Joseph's story and he changed it. Oh, you know what, and I love this. I sometimes used to think, I don't know how many, I used to think like the things that happen in my life are so random. It's so random. And you know what I think? Nope, I think it's God orchestrating them. And the things that I've done in my life for the last 30 years, God's actually been a part of. Psalms 118 says it like this, from distress I called upon the Lord and the Lord answered me and sent me in a large place. I love that last phrase, large place. He, he takes me from my little prison cell and he puts me in a large place, a large place of blessing, a large place of prosperity, a large place of peace, a large place, whatever that looks like for you. That's what God wants to do. Psalms 138 says, the Lord fulfilled his purpose for me. How cool a statement is that? That the Lord fulfilled his purpose in me in the midst of all the struggles and the problems. Romans 8, 28 says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So the second thing, we gotta get this, we gotta figure this out is maybe God is in control. Not maybe, God is in control of every circumstance. And the third thing is this, and just lean into this one. And some of us need to hear this today because we've botched up our lives so bad, we think, oh man, nothing can separate you from God, ever, ever. Not your stupid boneheaded mistakes, they can't separate you from God. Not that sin that you committed last night, that can't separate you from God. God's grace is bigger than that. God's, God's blood is, is, is purer than that. Everything about Jesus is about redemption. And I love the way the book of Romans says it. And Paul writes this, and he says this amazing statement. He says, no, in all these things, we are more than a conqueror. We're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Somebody needs to say amen to that, that you are not... You are not apart from God. You are close to God still. Man. See, I've said this already. The story didn't end there for Joseph, but Joseph didn't know that. And he was faithful anyway. He was faithful anyway because he knew that regardless of how bad the situation was and could be, that God was still in control. I love this. Genesis chapter 39, verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in prison. 
Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Do you realize what's happening here? That in the midst of the worst situation, it was like this. Did you ever hear somebody say, I can't win for losing? How many people have ever heard, I can't win for losing? I can't win for losing. Joseph couldn't lose for winning. Everything he did, every inch of ground, everything that God wanted him to do, prospered. Do you know why? Not only was God in control, God was still for him and nothing could separate him. Not a prison cell, not, not a Potiphar's wife, not a problem back here, not his, not his 11 brothers that, that threw him in. The, nothing could separate him from the purpose and plan that God had for his life. Same for us. He was faithful when he was sold into slavery. He was faithful. How would you have been? I mean, somebody hurts our feelings in the church and we go, I'm never going back to church. Right? He was faithful when he became the top administrator for Potiphar. He was faithful when Potiphar's wife was trying to chase him down. He was faithful in the prison cell. And every time God elevated him to a new position, a new place. See, so many times we look at the circumstances and the problems and we don't see the blessings in the midst of those or the teaching lesson. I heard about a guy that he went to, um, he went to Goodwill and he went looking for a bargain. I don't know why else you would go to Goodwill. But listen, there's bargains there. About a year ago, I went, I went to Goodwill and I was walking around there and you know they have like a, a sporting goods section in Goodwill. It's not like Academy Sports or anything, but, and there was a set of golf clubs in there. They were like three or $400 golf clubs for $25. So you know what I did? I bought them. Then you know what I did? Hello, marketplace, $300. So, the so this guy goes in for a bargain and he sees, he sees this, this shirt. Man, he's been wanting this shirt. Like he's, he's seen it and it's hunt, but somebody, so he so goes and buys it, pays a couple dollars. He gets it home and he puts it on. It's a little tight. It's not super tight, but it's a little tight. It's like you'd have to suck up your stomach the whole time and wearing that shirt, right? You know, it's like, you know, those of us that are wearing 38s, but we think we can still wear 36s. You know what I'm talking about? Like you're afraid that it's gonna, that button's gonna, and it's gonna poke an eye out, right? Somebody's gonna get hurt. You get out of the way. So he buys this shirt and he tries it on and it doesn't fit. He's, he's, he's so frustrated. So he kind of balls it up and he was getting ready to throw away, but he noticed, man, there's something in the shirt. And he opens it back up and didn't even notice there's a pocket on it. And so he pops the button in the pocket and he pull, pulls out a roll of cash. And he starts going through it and it's $2,000. So he calls, because he's a person of integrity, he calls Goodwill. And Goodwill says, nope, nobody's... Nobody said they lost any cash. So he calls the police department. What should I do? And they say, listen, you can bring it in to us. We'll hold it for 90 days. And if nobody claims it, uh, the police department gets to keep it. Or if you come back and claim it, you get, to, you get to have it. And so he does that. And 90 days later, nobody claims it. He goes back, gets $2,000. You know why that story is interesting to me? Because so many times we're so fixated on the shirt, the problem the crisis, the circumstance, that we miss the blessings 
that are in the pocket. That we're so worried about, this isn't right. This shouldn't happen to me. I'm a believer, you know, that, why, did, why, is all, why, why is this always happening? Why? And all around us, God's pouring out his blessings. And we miss them. And all we gotta do is open that pocket up and ask God what is his big plan in it. And trust that he's in control and that nothing can separate us from his love. See, that's why I say these stories in the Bible are more than just stories that were written thousands of years ago about people that have no bearing really in our lives because I believe they have absolute truth and things that we can learn from them. And in Joseph, we're gonna learn next week that God's still in the business of taking us from ditches to dungeons and dungeons to deliverers because everything is gonna come back around. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in this moment right here, this quiet moment, I pray, God, because I believe there's some folks that are watching us, sitting in these chairs, maybe of the atrium down our Sherwood campus or wherever, that feel like their life, they're in a ditch right now. And they would probably even say, they feel like if it wasn't for bad luck, they'd have no luck at all. But, but what would happen, God? Could you, can you change our perspective? Can, we, can, can you just move our position a little bit so we could see, man, your hand in our lives. And maybe, maybe for some of us, the first part is just giving our lives over to you. Maybe that's the perspective change we need to have. Maybe that's, that's, maybe that's, that, that, that's what was so powerful about Joseph. He just, he put his life in your hands. And God, we talk about it all the time. It's not about walking aisles or filling cards out. It's about having conversations with you and it's about relinquishing control and giving you complete, complete control in our lives. And so, God, if that's what needs to happen, let it happen. And then maybe we'll look with different perspective what you're doing in our lives. God, let us, let us be like Joseph. Let us be people of integrity. Let us give you complete control and stand on the promises that nothing, absolutely nothing, not our mistakes or circumstance or anything can separate us from your amazing love, your abundant love, your faithfulness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.